Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, June 28th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, perspectives on the Dobbs decision that reverses the federal right to an abortion. Then a primer on today's primary runoffs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Reactions are pouring in days after the Supreme Court upheld Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban and overturned Roe v. Wade. State Senator Republican Joey Fillingane of Sumrall helped propel the ban to the governor's desk back in 2018. He tells us he's in high spirits. Very thankful. I'm very excited. Um, obviously, this has been an issue that has been very divisive for a very long time. Unfortunately, we'll probably continue to be, but at least at this point, the U.S. Supreme Court has recognized that the state of Mississippi was well within its legal right to put the 15-week limit on abortions and went beyond that. Um, kind of in a surprise, I think, to everyone, but a very pleasant surprise by overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So it's a huge day for life. It's a great win for the state of Mississippi, but more broadly for states' rights and for unborn children. Mississippi has a trigger law. How will that work now? Well, I think it states that um, now that the decision has been rendered upon the 10-day waiting period, um, certification period, I guess you would call it, um, after that passes, then Mississippi will not allow abortion. Uh, it felt to the, the rare exceptions of to save the life of the mother or rape or incest. I believe that's what our trigger law allows for. Do you see any point in time where abortion could be expanded to some other specific instances? Well, I hope not. Um, of course, if you ask, could it happen? Sure. Like disability I mean, or... The law is, is fluid. So obviously the, the members of the Supreme Court change over time. The composition of the state legislatures change over time. So certainly, this is not going to be the law forever and ever, amen, but it's certainly a huge step in the right direction, in my opinion. So states individually will decide the legislation 
what they want for access to abortion. Mississippians will be traveling somewhere else where it is still legal if there is a place. The cost of that for women, your thoughts on those who really feel that they have to do this for economic reasons and trying to meet expenses to get it done? Well, when you're talking about the cost of abortion, I focus on the cost of abortion to the child, to the unborn child. And there's no price tagging to put on the value of that life. So I'm happy to talk about the cost of gas money or of an airline ticket, but I also want to focus on the cost to the unborn child who is killed as a as the point of the abortion in the first place. So yes, there will be places across the country, like California, I'm sure, and other liberal enclaves like um, New York and Illinois, where you'll be able to get abortion up until the day of delivery. In those cases, I have no doubt, and I'll pray for those people that allow those laws to be in place like that. But in Mississippi, we'll be a safe haven for unborn children, except in the very rare instances of saving the life of the mother or rape or incest. This issue has been such a hotbed and a point of contention among various factions. Do you think that it's going to pull the nation apart more? It's hard to see how it could be more divided. Um, I certainly hope that once the gravity of this decision settles in and state legislatures across the country realize that they have the power to protect life, that they will do so. Now, there are certainly other parts of the country where the pendulum on the political side swings in the opposite direction of Mississippi, and you will have states like New York who has already come forward and basically welcoming anyone who wants to come into their state to have an abortion to do so. So, I mean, you have the whole spectrum, but again, the Roe v. Wade decision is what divided the country. Um, you can't point the finger to pro-life advocates and say, with this decision, you're dividing the country. The, the country is divided already. Hopefully, um, this will allow healing to begin, because if people want to settle in a place like um, you know, Illinois or California or New York or wherever, where they can freely have abortion on demand, please go there. Please you know, be my guest. If you want to live in a, a culture that values and protects life, Move to Mississippi. That's my message to people across the country. As a result of this, would you consider, would the legislature consider expanding Medicaid and also expanding the postpartum coverage for women? Yeah, I voted um, numerous times this session to expand um, postpartum protection to women. Unfortunately, our friends in the House didn't uh, go along with that. But I certainly voted for that any number of times and will continue to do so. What about on Medicaid expansion? That's a totally separate issue. I mean, the two have really very little to do with each other. And we will look at that. I think there are certainly bills filed every year that would advocate for an expansion of Medicaid in general in Mississippi. But you can carve out certain certain protections uh, like we did in the state Senate, um, Senator Blackwell, I went to the well numerous times, as you covered, and know very well, and proposed expansion of Medicaid services to moms 
and their children after delivery uh, for up to a year beyond the, the birth. And I voted for that. I'm going to continue to advocate for that. And I hope our friends in the House will see fit to, to pass that bill this coming session. What I'm also thinking about is uh, women in Mississippi make up about half of the workforce. A lot of them are in low-paying jobs. They don't have health coverage. And by expanding Medicaid, if they have children, that helps them remain healthy to stay on the job and also be a good mother because they're healthier. Sure. And I think um, what I'm for is increasing those wages, not to just say, okay, you're in a low-paying job, so let's give you, um, you know, Medicaid coverage so that you can stay in a low-paying job. Um, my vision is for those women and men to get higher-paying jobs so they can afford their own insurances and live a more, you know, prosperous lifestyle. Senator Joey Fillingain from Sumrall, thank you so much for your time and speaking with us about this critical issue. Always a pleasure, Desiree. Thank you for your good work. Coming up, more on abortion in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. We'll take a look now at today's Republican primary runoffs in two deep red Mississippi congressional districts. First, to the 4th District, where the nomination will go either to a longtime incumbent or to the sheriff of Jackson County. Mississippi Edition producer Rob Lane tells us more. Incumbent Stephen Palazzo and challenger Mike Ezel both self-identify as staunch conservatives. They both believe cutting regulations on the oil industry would help lower gas prices and boost the Gulf Coast's economy. Palazzo says border security is a big concern, and so does Ezel. So the candidates have clashed not so much on policy matters, but instead on questions of conduct and experience. Ezel has sought to boil the race down to one question. Where's he at? Where's Stephen Palazzo? He says Palazzo's had poor attendance both for district town halls and for votes on the House floor. You need to be on the job. You need to hear the people and try to attend to their needs. And that's what I've done as sheriff and I've done as a law enforcement officer my entire career. Ezel is also quick to point out that Palazzo is under an ethics investigation related to campaign finance spending. Palazzo says the probe is going nowhere. Palazzo has represented the 4th District in Congress for over a decade now, and he says his depth of experience better qualifies him for the job than Ezel. I think my opponent doesn't really understand how Congress works. I don't think he understands the committee process, seniority, or how important relationships are. I have a proven conservative record. I have proven that I will fight for veterans. I will fight for, you know, faith, family, and freedoms that are somewhat under attack uh, in this nation today. The runoff election between Ezel and Palazzo is today. Polls are open now. They will close at 7 p.m. Rob Lane, MPB News. An incumbent is also looking to defend his seat in the state's third district, Republican primary runoff. MPB's Michael Guidry reports on that race. 
Congressman Michael Guest's primary night ended with him looking up at challenger Michael Cassidy in the final vote tally. Cassidy pulled 47.5% of the vote to Guest's 46.9%. The two face off again today for the Republican nomination in Mississippi's 3rd Congressional District. Cassidy is looking to capitalize on momentum he gained through criticism of Guest's record in Washington, including voting to create an independent 9-11-style commission to investigate the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Mr. Guest voted for the Benny Thompson-written January 6th commission bill uh, that called people, uh, everybody that was there that day, regardless of uh, if you were uh, one of the handful of people that committed violence um, or you were one of the tens of thousands of people that were there uh, peaceful, uh, you were labeled a domestic terrorist. And that struck people the wrong way. Guest was one of 35 Republicans in favor of the commission. Following the closer-than-expected vote, he has been campaigning on his ties to former President Donald Trump and is relying on his experience as a district attorney and sitting congressman to close the gap and top Cassidy in the runoff. We need somebody in our state um, who knows Mississippi, knows our interests, has been working and fighting for Mississippi for their entire life, not someone who has just moved to Mississippi and decided to run for Congress. And so uh, we think that that's important. Republican runoffs are also underway in the 2nd and 4th congressional districts. Polls are open until 7 o'clock this evening. Michael Guidry, MPB News. Coming up, what a civil liberties lawyer has to say about Mississippi's abortion trigger law. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Earlier on today's show... We heard Senator Joey Fillingain discuss Mississippi's abortion trigger law. Assuming that law survives a court challenge it's facing currently, it will go into effect on July 7th. It would ban almost all abortions in the state with exceptions for rape or to save the life of the mother. Vera Lyons is policy counsel at the American Civil Liberties Union of Mississippi. She tells MPB's Michael Guidry a rape exception is hardly as straightforward as it might seem. Prior to my time at the ACLU, I spent five years as a prosecutor at the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. And there I was in the human trafficking unit, which is um, part of the bigger sex crimes unit. And typically a victim of sexual assault may feel shame. Um, She may uh, feel fear. Um, She may be scared to go to the police. You know, with some of my trafficking victims, they were still under the threat of physical abuse by their traffickers. So sometimes there's not a rape kit done for every sexual assault. And sometimes the police are not contacted about every sexual assault. Sometimes the victim feels that her own personal safety may be at risk if she contacts the police. And I'll be honest, even working as a prosecutor, you know, there were good detectives I worked with, but there were a lot of freshman rookie cops who weren't always sensitive and didn't always know how to handle a sexual assault report. And it it could be very discouraging to these victims. How narrowly or or broadly applied will the life of the mother exception be? 
That's a really great question. And I think that's one of the scary things about this trigger law is that it's not defined. When people say that, oh, I'm okay with abortion, but only when it threatens the life of the mother, or only when it's a rape victim, they don't understand they're severely limiting the instances in which a woman can receive an abortion. And one physician might have a different opinion about um, whether it threatens the life of a mother. A physician, you know, as much as I want to trust our healthcare providers, sometimes they have their own agenda. You know, when, when I went, this is a story I tell a lot, when I went to go get an IUD, kind of seeing what was coming down the political pipeline here, the OBGYN I saw told me that she didn't provide copper IUDs because copper IUDs are what she considers to be an abortifacient, and that's simply not correct. So you could have a physician decide, well, I don't think it threatens your life that much. And in rural areas where there may not be, you know, as many physicians to get a second opinion from, women are definitely going to suffer. You know, in Europe, a lot of countries have exceptions as to whether it, it threatens the mental health of a mother. And, and that's another argument. Like, why, what, what about a woman's mental health of having to bring a pregnancy to term? You know, there's no carve-out for incest here. So what about in those circumstances? It's, it's really disturbing. We saw in the concurring opinion from, from Justice Thomas uh, that the, the Griswold ruling is one of a list of rulings he said the court could and perhaps should revisit. What could that potentially mean for the, the, the fate of contraception, the level of contraception available to women, uh, and how will that change state by state? I think Thomas is showing his hand here. I think he's showing where the extremist right wants to go. You know, a lot of the political advocacy organizations that push these abortion bans uh, through states like Mississippi also believe in limiting IUDs. And there's also a question about how is this going to affect IVF treatment for people who have trouble getting fertile? Will they be prohibited from destroying embryos after a certain time? Like, where is this going to end? And in Mississippi, if we are going to push abstinence-only education, if we're going to limit someone's access to an abortion, and then likely this legislative season, we will see, you know, attempts to access, attempts to limit access to contraception. We're really not giving women an opportunity to even avoid having to make the decision about whether or not to have an abortion in the first place. And I also find it very hypocritical that you know, Thomas listed some of these um, cases. He listed Obergefell, which is a right to a gay marriage. He listed Griswold, which is um, the right to contraception and privacy in the bedroom. But interestingly enough, he did not list Loving, which is a right to interracial marriage. And Justice Thomas himself is in an interracial marriage. And it just seems to be saying that, oh, I get rights for me, but not rights for you. For the immediate future, for, for today, tomorrow, this weekend, the next, you know, week, two weeks, you know, what do women uh, or people seeking, you know, abortion care, health, uh, this type of health care, what do they need to know about what is still available to them in the, you know, the days and weeks to come? I think they need to look at um, information about uh, possibly traveling out of state, but that's going to be difficult because the clinics 
out of state are going to get backed up tremendously. You know, we've already seen that in clinics in New Mexico with the overflow from Texas with SB8. Mississippians' options are going to be either traveling to Illinois or Florida. Um, I would encourage them to look at resources posted on a coalition that we're a part of, which is the Mississippi Abortion Access Coalition, which links information about how to access reproductive health care and also information about accessing and donating to abortion funds, which provide financial support for women who might not otherwise have the financial means to access abortion. What are your final thoughts on the uh, uh, immediate the, the more immediate impact of this ruling on Mississippians, especially Mississippi women um, seeking this form of health care? I think we're going to see people attempting um, to get abortion medications via mail. And I think we're likely going to see a pushback by the legislator to try to legislature to try to regulate that. Um, I think that fight will be fought out in the courts. Because when you try to regulate the mail, that implicates the federal commerce clause, which is not something typically the states can get involved in. So it's really an unknown territory at this point. You know, now the effort to codify Roe is being pushed, and we see leading Democrats on Capitol Hill talking about now is the time to codify Roe. Uh, my question is, can can Roe and, and, and in the limitations and the framework that it set up for abortion access – can it be codified and and upheld with the current court, or will there just be a mechanism for it to be challenged, brought up to the court, and deemed unconstitutional? Can can Roe be codified without really examining the makeup of the Supreme Court? It's going to be a challenge, and because there's a high likelihood that if we are even able to codify Roe, I mean, you know, with the filibuster still in place. It's difficult to even codify Roe in the first place, but assuming we would be able to get over that hurdle, it's likely it could be challenged and the Supreme Court could just strike it down again. So it's, it's really an unknown situation. Vera Lyons is policy counsel at the ACLU of Mississippi. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's in legal terms. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Enjoy your day. 